potential in Christ. And the reality is, is we talked about that potential, potential, we define it this way, it's up on the screen, potential is defined by this, qualities or abilities which are lying dormant that may be developed and lead to future success or usefulness, right? Just look at that, let's look at the, the definition. Potential defined qualities or abilities which are lying dormant, may be developed and lead to future success or usefulness. Now, all of us, we understand the nature of potential, don't we? We all see it in other people. Like, you know, if you're a football fan, you go on to Rivals.com or to ESPN, the recruiting section, right? And they have the three-star, four-star, five-star recruits, right? And you go on there, and what they're doing, you get somebody in the world who is looking at all these players, and they are ranking their potential of how good they're going to be in college, right? And so many of them just don't live up to that, right? But they're still ranking their potential, because there's something that they see in them, right? This ability, this possibility lying dormant that can be developed and lead to future success on the football field, right? And so we all understand the nature of potential. We understand it in other people. We understand it in our children. We understand it, hopefully, even in our own lives. We said last week, in a perfect case scenario, that we as parents, that we as parents that we would parent in the light of two different things. Number one on this side, that we would parent from the reality of where our children are today, right? We parent our children and where they are today. We recognize them. We, we see their, their immaturity. We see their faults. We see their brokenness. We see all the bad decisions that they're making, right? And if we only focus on that in their lives, what happens? Well, we live frustrated. We live overwhelmed. And we live just very, just almost angry, frustrated parents, but if we view them today in light of who they're going to be tomorrow by their potential, then we see our children in a different, completely different light, don't we? We see, yes, who they are today, but we recognize what's happening today is something that we can use to shape them for who they're becoming tomorrow. And so then we don't live too frustrated and anxious and overwhelmed with our children necessarily today because we see who they're becoming and everything that's happening is for us today is for us to parent them, to lead them, and to guide them through that moment to lead them to their potential. I had someone say to me one time, so Steve, don't get too high with your highs and don't get too low with your lows because you're always in the process of growing and maturing. And so the idea for us is we want to parent from the place of potential, don't we, with our children. We see them in light of who they are today, but in light of the potential of who they're becoming tomorrow. And recognizing it's all about growth, it's all about transition and shaping them, who they're becoming. But we said last week, the beautiful thing for each of us is that that is what God does for us. That he doesn't just judge us on who we are today, right? That he sees us who we are today, but he sees us in the future. And we look much bigger there than we do right now. Remember we said that. God sees us now, he sees us in the future, both at the same time. And we look much bigger there than we look right now. And the idea is that God, as a heavenly father, is always seeing our potential. He's always seeing who we're becoming. And everything he's doing today, yes, he, he, he disciplines us in our disobedience. But discipline is not for the purpose of just disciplining. Discipline has the purpose, what? Of disciplining us so that we will turn back and begin to move into the potential that he sees inside of us. 
And so we talked about this nature of stepping in 2014 and being a people who define our lives and view ourselves. Listen, we view ourselves the way that Jesus views us. And so that we live our lives then, not just defining ourselves by who we are right now, but we're defined by who we're becoming tomorrow, right? Our potential defines us in Jesus' eyes. And so I said this, and this may be in sacrilegious for some of you, but, but I want you to hear it anyway. I said this, your, if you are a follower of Jesus and Jesus lives inside of you, then your potential is defined by Jesus' potential. Do you see that? That if he lives inside of you, then his potential defines who you're becoming. Right? Your potential is defined by Jesus' potential. Why? Because he's living inside of you. His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's moving. He's active. And he's shaping you into the potential that he sees. So he looks at you. He sees a picture of who you're becoming. And everything. Listen, the question we always ask, kids ask, is there a rock too heavy for God to move? And what they're asking is, is there the potential that Jesus can't do something? And we look at them and we, we, and we, and we come back and say, listen, Jesus can do all things. And so if his potential is unlimited and he lives inside of us, then also, too, our potential is unlimited. And for us to believe, hear this, it's a little bit convicting. For us to believe anything less than that, well, it's improper, and we're not believing Jesus. Basically, if we believe anything less than that, then we're believing a lie. Are we following, tracking with me? Again, this is, no, it's not rocket science, okay? Charles, you shook your head no. I can't believe you just did that. That was so rude. He's like, mm-mm. So we have our potential defining us. Potentials defining us. And so the question, the thing I asked you to do last week, those of you who weren't here, you're off the hook on this, but if you were, are here now, you need to do it this week. I asked you to take some time and ask Jesus how you're doing of, at, of embracing the potential that he sees in you. Like to sit down and say, Jesus, do I believe your view about me or do I not? To either or. Maybe you kind of both stand. You're like, well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, whatever. But do you live in this beautiful conviction? I mean, conviction like something is fact, right? Do you believe in the conviction that the potential of Jesus is defining your actions and your steps every day of your life? Or, right, so living here, or do you live only in this? The fear, the anxiety, the rejection, the worries, the doubt, the anxiousness, all of those pieces, and, the, and your immaturity, or is that defining, is that the only lens through which you can see yourself? What lens do you put on to look at yourself? Each of us have a lens. Do you like yourself? Like, here's the thing. If Jesus thinks that you're awesome, which I think my children are awesome. They're imperfect, but I think they're awesome. Like I told Anna Catherine the other day, I picked her up. There was something going on. I picked her up and I put her on the counter and I said to her, 
I said, you, sorry, God, thank you. I said, you are the coolest person I know. And if anybody ever tells you different, you do not believe them. Because I know you more than anybody else in the world. And I'm an adult, and I know what cool really looks like. And she just looked at me, she says, okay, and she gave me this big, massive hug. And my prayer, she got down from the from the counter, is I literally praying, like, just standing, like, praying. Now she didn't raise my hand, it's Jesus. And I said, says, God, may she always believe that. I just prayed that over her. Because I want my voice to always outweigh everyone's voice. And so the question for you is, does dad's voice, and that's what Ron is talking about, Heavenly Father, right? Does Heavenly Father's voice outweigh every other voice, including your own? Listen, I'm fine if Anna Catherine walks around and tells somebody she's awesome. I want her to say, I'm awesome. And they're going to go, why? Because my dad said so. Now, I know when you get into high school, that's not cool. It probably doesn't happen. I get that, right? Because parents become uncool all of a sudden. But, but right now, it works. Her friends think that Randall and I are awesome. They think that everything that we say is true. Randall walks into Abney Elementary, and all of Anna Catherine's friends will come over and fight to hug her, right? They think that we're awesome. So if we say it, if she says it, it's true. So I'm fine if Anna Catherine walks around and says, my dad says I'm awesome. And my question for you is, can you sit here today and tell me I'm pretty awesome because my dad thinks so? I'm great because my dad thinks so. See, if it's true, if Jesus believes it about you, then it's true. And to think anything less than is to believe a lie. And so you see, so follow my train of thought, right? This is the identity piece that Rhonda was talking about a second ago. But we have to, to move into why? Because so many of us at the beginning of the new year, we set resolutions, right? And it's true. Like I resolve, I resolve. John Edwards set 70. I'm good to do seven, right? But, but he set 70 resolutions. I resolve to do. And I would say most of the time, hear this, most of the time we set our, 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 um, our, bullseye too low in the midst of what we're what we're resolving to do why because we're resolving to do things that we think that we can do in our own strength and our own human power and most of the time those aren't living up to the potential of jesus why because his potential is so much greater and so we set our resolutions too low and we can't do and we try to do them in our own strength and and then we fail don't we and so what we want to move into then is this, this understanding, uh, and it's, listen, it's, it's an understanding that's going to take, I would say, a year to figure out, at least. We have resolved at Vintage, committed that in 2014, our commitment to you is to help lead you to your potential, to lead you to what I'm about to call and talk about as your real life. We're going to lead you to the real life potential that you have in Christ. Because I would say, none of us, none of us have reached our potential yet. And what I hope to do in the 2014 is to rename this destination of what you believe your real life to be, right? Rename your potential and begin to agree and believe what Jesus thinks and believes about you. That's our commitment to you. I'm asking this. 
I'm asking this. Would you intentionally engage everything that we lead you into? I want to invite you and ask you and urge you and implore you. If I stand up on a Sunday morning, we sit in our small groups, we send an email out, and we ask you and invite you to do something as it relates to seeking Jesus, hearing his voice, and going after him, I want you to do it. I asked you last week, I want you to sit down and see and ask Jesus and ask yourself, how do I see myself, right? I want, I'm going to ask Jesus to reveal truth about how I view my potential. And I simply want you to answer inside of your head, how many of you did it this week? How many of you with great intentionality, again, not trying to make you feel bad, I'm just asking. I want you just to be honest with yourself. How many of you intentionally gave yourself to being with Jesus to allow him to awaken his potential inside of you? And some of you did and some of you didn't, and that's fine. But I'm asking you to intentionally, to intentionally invest and grow. Why? Not because I'm trying to be mean and I'm trying to give you homework. Because I think that only as we intentionally invest into relationship, the relationship grows. Isn't that, isn't that like marriage 101? Your marriage only grows if you invest the time and energy into it, right? So I'm just asking you to invest time and energy intentionally into that relationship. Why? So that you can grow with your potential into the person that God sees you to already be. The interesting thing, just to blow your mind for a second, Jesus already lives with the mature you. Remember, he's not bound by time or by time. He's not bound by time. So he lives and he lives eternally at one time. The crazy thing is, since he's not bound by time, he lives outside of time, he lives with the you now and he lives with the you tomorrow. It's bizarre to think about, isn't it? That's how great he is. So he already knows you over here, right? It's a beautiful piece about God never being bound by time. He's eternal in nature. So he already celebrates who you, who you are and who you see yourself becoming. And so we launch into this potential of who God's called you to be because of how he views you and sees you. One person I want to look at in doing this is, is Peter. Now, most of us have heard the name Peter. We know some stories about Peter as in Peter in the Bible, right? Not Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? But Peter in the band, right? But, but Peter, Peter the, the apostle, the disciple, the follower of Jesus. And we, we tell stories of, about Peter. We, we, we see him, and if you don't know about him, arguably he was probably the, the leader of all the disciples. He's definitely the most outspoken, right? He was the one to whom God revealed that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? People say this, this, and this. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He's blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but the Father in heaven did, right? We know that in his lifetime, Peter did amazing things. We know that he would, later in life, he was the one who stood up after Pentecost, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, he was stood up at Pentecost and stood up and preached the good news of Jesus to everyone who heard the gift of tongues being spoken, right? Who, who heard the interpretation of tongues. They heard things in their own language, right? They're the ones who sat there and, and saw this work and said, what's happening? This is bizarre, right? Thousands of people heard this, saw something, right? Because when Peter stood up, thousands of people were sitting there and thousands gave their life to Jesus that day. That was Peter. Peter's the one who at one point he walks and people are shoving their sick people into his shadow so that they may be healed. 
Listen, we went to Rome this summer. We went to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. That place is massive. Have you ever been there? I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's this like massive monstrosity, this dome. We walked inside. It was unbelievable. That in this, we, and, and I remember we walked in over here to the corner. There was a special spot. And I remember like there was like bulletproof glass. There were lasers going through, just arming the place. Literally, you could look in and see lasers going like this. And I'm like, what is that? It said, that is the place where the bones of St. Peter reside. And I went, huh. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, if you don't get the picture here, Peter, listen, Peter's pretty much a big deal. That's what it boils down to. Peter is pretty much a big deal. Let's just kind of all sum it up. He's a big deal, right? Peter's a big deal. The world knows him. Listen, the Gentiles, which unless you're Jewish, you are one, the Gentiles were invited into the church because of the movement and the work of Peter. He has the dream. A sheet comes down. There's, there's, uh, there's some like some animals need to be shot and killed, right? Hunting was, was blessed by God in the moment, right? And he says, rise up, kill, and eat. He says, I can't do that. I'm, that's not, that, I'm, I'm holy. I can't do this. He says, no, no, no. Anything that I've made is holy. And then Cornelius' servants awake him from the dream and said, hey, we have a Gentile named Cornelius over here. They didn't use that word, but that's what they're saying. Cornelius wants you to come to his house. He wants to hear what you have to say. And he walks in, and as he's speaking, the Holy Spirit begins to send, and Cornelius begins to speak in tongues in the moment. And Peter goes, well, if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus gives him the Holy Spirit, what am I to keep them from being a part of the church? We're here today because of Peter. Again, just restating, he's pretty much a big deal. Jesus saw that before anybody else did. Because I want you to recognize, this is what we know about Peter today. We walk into churches called St. Peter's whatever, right? He's a pretty big deal. But back in Luke chapter 5, he was a nobody. I want you to turn there. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I want you to see his story and see what we can learn from him this morning. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? On the right side of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And then John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, all the way down, right? Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. If you your Bibles, I want you to see. I want you to read this in your own Bible. If you don't have one, just read it on the screen with me. It says, one day... As Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. That's Simon's Peter. Simon Peter's his name, okay? So Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and talked to people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked. I want you to kind of read... Listen, I want you to kind of just put yourself in Peter's position, okay? Peter is the fisherman. Jesus is the carpenter, okay? Jesus don't know jack about fishing in Peter's eyes, okay? So Jesus says, hey, put out in deeper water for a catch. And, Pete and Simon says, Master, um, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, right? Can you just read what he's thinking there? Listen, buddy, we've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. This is not a great idea. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came, filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, you could spend a long time this, this message. You can talk about the fish and the nets and the breaking of nets and the boats and all this type of stuff. But what I want to do this morning is I, want to, I simply just want to look at who Peter is. So when I, look at, when I look at Peter, what you would see Peter doing is just living his ordinary real life. Right. Like reality television has taken over our television shows. Why? Because people love reality TV. Why? Because they can they can identify with the people. It's like, why are the men with beards who shoot guns and make duck calls so popular? I mean, really, I mean, they're not really honestly, they're not really that funny. Their jokes really aren't all that great. Right. You can only say, OK, 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 so many times with Uncle Cy and it'd be funny. Right. There's this there's this there's so many things about it that that aren't funny and aren't that great. But millions of people are following. Why? Because everyone has a Willie in their life. Everyone has an Uncle Cy. Everyone has a Phil Roberts. There's so, somebody we can identify with. And we love real TV. Why? Because we can identify with it. It's real. It's not made up. It's not fictional. In fact, the big question is, is that really choreographed on there? Is it real stuff? If people want to know. If it's not real, we won't like it as much. We want it to be real. We love real stuff. And so... Looking at, at Peter, he's just living an ordinary, real life. It's normal every day. It's routine. It's run of the mill. That's what we live every day of our own lives, right? Actual events, actual people, actual activities going on. Peter, he's just living the ordinary, real life as an average person, right? He's just an average person, He's an ordinary fisherman. He's someone of, of average intelligence, and, he's, and he's, he's below average in his financial, social, economic, I can't say that word, economic status, right? He's just a guy down here. He's just a normal, everyday guy. He's not very popular, right? He's living his ordinary life with family, with friends, with disappointments, with job, with tragedy, with joy and fun. There's all of these pieces that Peter's living. It's an ordinary, real life that all of us can identify with. In present day, listen, he's really only known by his family and friends. I mean, if he had an Instagram account today, he had like 25 or 30 friends. That's it. He's just a normal, everyday guy. He's not great. He's not supernatural. He's just an ordinary guy. How many of you know someone like know a professional fisherman who's not family and friend? But you know a professional fisherman because they're so popular. Do you know any? I, I know somebody because I watch ESPN two at nine o'clock on Saturday morning sometimes. But for the most part, most of you, unless you're a real fisherman or a fisherman, you don't know any real life fishermen who make their living this way. Fishermen are ordinary people. I mean, like they're like as ordinary as ordinary can be. And here's Peter just living his ordinary, mundane, run-of-the-mill, real life that every single one of us can identify with. He has a he works the night shift. He wakes up, 
probably around five, heads down to the boat, gets to make sure the nets are good, gets his boys, they hop in their boat, and they fish all night. He comes back, he cleans his nets, he gets them all set back up for tomorrow, goes home, eats, takes a nap, comes back and does all over again. He has a real job, like all of us. He's just like you. Peter? Peter. Because something happened where four years after this event in Luke 5, his shadow is healing people. Four years, the span of high school, the span of college, his life has this drastic change. I would say that his ordinary life shifted to an extraordinary real life, right? His, his ordinary life shifted to an extraordinary real life, right? All of a sudden, he's living this life, something happens, boom, and he has living this different life. What happened? It's real simple. Jesus was interjected into his life. Jesus was interjected into his life, and everything changed. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps in and his potential, his potential becomes Jesus's potential. His life becomes Jesus's life, right? And Jesus steps in and redefines forever Peter's potential and the direction of his life. Peter is probably as shocked as any of us would be. But guess who isn't shocked? Jesus. Why? Because he always lives with potential of who we actually are in his mind. You see, here's the thing I want you to recognize about Jesus. His, in in Jesus' eyes, his ordinary real life is the extraordinary real life. Do you see that? In the eyes of Jesus, ordinary is always extraordinary. Right? He only knows the extraordinary. Why? Because potential, his potential, defines who we are and who we're becoming. So again, we sell ourselves short, don't we? If Jesus is in us, he defines our potential. Jesus, Jesus' potential defines our potential. Jesus steps into Peter's life, and everything shifts because he stops, he stops defining his own potential by his own life and begins to see it in the light of who Jesus is. And I'm saying this morning that real life in the eyes of God, ordinary real life, is extraordinary real life. So the reality I want us to have sink in this morning, in Jesus, there is no such thing as an ordinary real life. There isn't. Because he only has one view of us the view of the extraordinary potential that defines us in his eyes. And so if that is the way that he views us, he doesn't have multiple views. He just has this view, the potential defined by extraordinary. Why? Because his potential defines our potential. And we go, that is too much for me to understand. That's too great for me. That just... I'm, that's so hard to get my, my head around. It's maybe too hard to believe. But I'm telling you, he sees us today, he sees us tomorrow, and we look much bigger there than we do right now. His potential defines us. His potential defines us, not 
what we're living through today, what we're feeling right now, what we're experiencing, right? His ordinary life is extraordinary. And that's what we have for us, an extraordinary real life. Jesus' real life is your only real life. Hear that. It's great. We just said in 2014, you can shift everything you believe. It's a great time to do it, right? Right at the beginning, right? Jesus' potential defines your potential. Jesus sees your real life. There's just one, and it's the only one he has for you. To believe anything less than that is to believe a lie about yourself. He wants us to lead. He wants to lead us into this place. Our commitment, again, is to lead you into your real life because we recognize, listen, I I know 98% of you well enough to know what's going on in your life. And I look at your life, and, and I look at my own life, and I'm like, you're just like me. You need to raise the bar of potential and see yourself the way that God sees you. We want to commit to come alongside of you as you come alongside of us and to help realize that, the extraordinary life. So in this, we all, so let's go ahead and just name it. We all struggle with this, don't we? We all struggle with this, don't we? This is something we all wrestle with. Something we want to be true, but can it be? We wrestle. We see we're so defined by our worry. We're so defined by our rejection. We're so defined by the issues of our life, right? We're so defined by all of these. Can this really be true? And so what I want to do is I want to just begin. That's what we need to invest. We're asking you to invest because it's a journey of being awakened to your potential. You have. Let's just take the whole year to figure it out. Right? Don't, you can't figure out today necessarily. Let's take the entire year begin to be awakened to your potential, to be awakened to the extraordinary view that God has for you. Let's take the year and invest into it. And now let's begin by looking at just these three keys, three keys I think that Peter sees in his experience right here in Luke chapter 5, right? Ordinary Peter, ordinary fisherman, average in all that he does, right? 25 to 30 Instagram followers, not much happening in his life. His mom is his only best friend. He gives him a call on the phone every day, right? He's just a normal, average guy. And Luke 5 happens. Everything shifts, and he's awakened. And the three keys that I believe that we can see from this, that I believe Peter understood the moment, number one is this. You can't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust your own wisdom. Listen, verse 5, we read it, we read it earlier, I kind of pointed it out. Master, Simon answered, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. He's making a point. Have you ever made a, a declarative statement like, like that? You're trying to be nice and honoring, but you're making a point, right? We've already been down this road, Dad. We don't have to go again. We're just, we've already been there, right? Jesus, we've already done this. In his wisdom, it makes sense to not throw the net on the other side. Why? Because he's a better fisherman than Jesus in his own mind. He does it for a living. His entire life has been on a boat, right? He's never afraid in the boat. He always knows where he's going, right? And he comes out there in his own wisdom. He says, we've already done this. That we've already done this. You see, what I want you to recognize, that, that there is no faith in his actions. The casting of the net, there's no faith. He's saying, we've already done this, Jesus. Now, there's obedience, but there's no faith. He's, tr- he's coming to the moment saying, all right, I have wisdom because I know better 
because I'm a fisherman by nature and by livelihood. This is not going to work. But because you say so, I will be obedient. And in the moment we begin to see is this. In life, there are things that you know and believe about yourself because you have the greatest wisdom about yourself because you know yourself best. You know what's best for your life and for your family and for your marriage and all of these things. What's best for your job? And you make all these decisions based on your own strength, based on your own wisdom. And in the moment, right, we, we make these decisions based on this stuff. But Peter recognizes in the moment, it's not my own wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. And he obeyed and something broke loose in power. The question, and it's really specific, you have to answer for yourself, But where do you naturally trust in your own wisdom and shut down God's voice in your life? Like naturally. Each of you by nature have things that you're okay, you'll listen to God about. But there are some things that you just trust yourself. You engage your own wisdom. Maybe it's in raising your kids. Maybe it's in the way that you do business, right? You, well, this is a business decision. You say things like that. It's just a business. What is it for you? What is the area that you naturally engage your own wisdom and not lean into the wisdom of Jesus? Because by nature, and we see it here, Jesus is always going to ask you to do things that don't seem wise to you. What did you do this year in obedience to Jesus and the wisdom he spoke that you did not think was wise at all? There were things that he was calling you to. What is it for 2014 that you know I need to resolve to trust his wisdom and listen to him in these areas because I have not this previous year? I can't tell you what they are. I wish I could. I wish I could just like prophetically look at each of you and tell you what they are, right? I wish I could do that. can't. At least not today. Number two, don't trust in your own abilities. Don't trust in your own abilities. So, so Peter, listen, Peter's a fisherman, right? Peter's workmates, they've been working. and They've been working in their business all night long, and they've had nothing to show for it, right? They've come in this moment, and their abilities have failed them. Listen, listen I've been fishing for over 30 Four years, right? I, in my own mind, listen, every fisherman thinks they're the best fisherman in the world. I'm just saying, right? And so I've always had these delusions of grandeur in my own mind about my fishing ability. And so, so in my life, I have incredible stories to tell. I have 34 years worth of stories to talk to you about and tell you about in fishing, right? And listen, the only ones I tell are the good ones, okay? And so Peter in this moment, he has great stories to tell, great catches that he's had of his own abilities coming to fruition, but but in the moment, he has nothing to show. Listen, I'm sure the other professional fishermen, because of their own little fraternity down there by the sea, by the lake, they're saying, how many did you catch today? And Peter's like, nothing. What was that? Nothing. Well, I couldn't hear you. Zero. Oh, my gosh, Peter didn't catch anything. What a loser, right? We killed it over here. You should fish over here in this cove, man. You blew it, right? They're having the home one be like, yeah, that's great. Shut up, right? There's a whole dynamic going down. In his own abilities, he completely failed, completely dropped the ball, had nothing to show for his energies, his abilities, and his talents expressed in the moment. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes, who's not a fisherman, and says, hey, I want you to take your nets and throw them over here. And he's thinking to himself, 
Jesus, it's ridiculous to throw your net into the deep water because the net isn't that big. The fish spread out. That's why we fish in the shallow waters at night because they actually come up where the bait fish are. It makes a whole lot more sense to do this, right? But, but we can do this. He does it. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows his potential working through Peter. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't, threw, didn't throw the net? Peter through the net. And Jesus' potential was expressed through him. Do you see how that's played out here? Jesus, Peter takes the net, does something crazy, throws the net out. He's like, gets to pull in. All of a sudden, he's like, mm, mm, oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the, the ocean, the, the lake just begins to, just to bubble up, right? I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen about a 50 by 100 acre of water explode in unison with thousands of fish. It's amazing to watch. And Peter's in the moment, and the fish are just exploding everywhere. And he's like, oh, my gosh, right? And he has the ultimate fisherman story to tell. Listen, I was with Jesus, and I had failed the entire night before, but in his abilities, he came out and said, cast on the other side. And, of course, I did it, right? Because it made a lot of sense to me. Just kidding, right? Took the net, threw it out, began to pull it in. And Jesus blessed it with the biggest catch you've ever had in your life. Listen, every guy wants to have a story that makes everyone else stop telling their stories. Peter has it, right? He has a story that shuts up every story. Well, let me tell you my story. And everyone goes, okay. That was awesome. Now let's move on to the next thing. Why? Because he has the story, what, of his own abilities expressed in the moment? No, of Jesus' abilities in him. And Peter has the awakening in my extraordinary real life. I have to be a person who does not trust myself, my wisdom, my abilities, or my talents. If I do, I will fail and fail others. I need to lean into, trust, and give myself to the abilities of Jesus Every day of my life, because when I do, I catch thousands of fish through me. His potential realized through me. The third thing that he learned is don't, listen, for your self-help gurus, don't believe in yourself. Don't believe in yourself. Now, you know I say that tongue-in-cheek, but the t- believe, not, don't believe in yourself. So verse 8, Peter comes and says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. You see, Peter, I want you to recognize, Peter is a devout Jew. He is a good man. He is a good man. He's probably good to his family. He, he's probably a good boss at the work site. He's just a good, devout Jew who lives by the law, does the things that he's supposed to do. He's a good guy. But in his goodness, in comparison to the greatness of Jesus, the only thing that he could define himself by, in his, in his goodness, in comparison to Jesus' greatness, the only way that he could define himself was as a sinful man. And in this, he realizes, I can't believe in myself. He's specifically aware of his immorality as a very good man. He recognizes his fault, his shortcomings, his brokenness, his sin, compared to the greatness of God. 
And in the moment, he's like, I, that's why he says, you need to, you got to leave. Go away from me, Lord. I am a broken and sinful man. He recognizes in the moment. It makes no sense for him to believe in himself, to trust himself, to, 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 to lean into himself, to make it all about himself. Why? Because he is broken and sinful and needy. He's in need of Jesus. In the moment, he basically is recognized. I've been living for myself, and it's rubbish. It's nothing. I set my, my potential right here in ordinary, my ordinary real life, and it's nothing. And Jesus has awakened him. You see, each of us have been, we're just living our ordinary real life. Just like Peter. And Jesus interjected himself into Peter's life. And four years later, his shadow is healing people. His potential increased to Jesus, to Jesus' level, the moment Jesus stepped into his life. And I'm just saying, that is, that life for you is Jesus' ordinary real life for you. And living anything less than that, well, you've, limited, you've been limited on who God and how Jesus views you and sees you and desires you to be. And his potential is here. And he wants to begin to speak the truth of these things into you, to awaken you to the reality of, of who you already are because of his presence in your life. You're not defined by this. Sin, brokenness, your worry, your anxiety, your fear, all that, with all those things. In his eyes, you're defined by who he sees here. And he wants to awaken us to that reality. And it begins for our side of intentionality of saying, I can't trust my own wisdom and all things. I need to lean into him. I can't trust my own abilities and my own talents because they're going to fail. God, I want to lean into your abilities. I would say this, what, just real practically speaking, what are the things of greatest anxiety and greatest worry and fear in your life? Whatever those things are, are probably the things that you're leaning into your own strength in. So, Pray into how we hand those things over because Jesus says, hey, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And the fruit of my presence in your life is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. So if Jesus is present in those areas, those things will mark your relationship to them. That's your potential, friends. Wouldn't that be awesome? Doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. Doesn't mean the moments you're just like, oh, this is too much for me to bear. But his presence is found in them. And there's peace. So I'm inviting you to intentionally invest into this, to seek out his potential, to ask him what he thinks. And this week I'm going to challenge you. Somebody you're in a relationship with, Maybe a little bit awkward. They say, how are you doing? You say, well, I'm awesome. Oh, you're feeling awesome? No, I'm just an awesome person. I'm, I'm pretty much 
the best thing ever. I am great. That's really arrogant. No, my dad told me so. Let's pray. Father, we worship you this morning, God, not because of what you've done in us, simply because of who you are. God, you are great. You are, you are powerful. You are amazing, Jesus. You are, you are life-giving. You are, you are wonderful and fantastic. You're all of these things, God, just in and of yourself. And this morning I'm asking, Father, that, is, that, we would, that you would help us, God, to step into this potential, to this real life. We want to figure it out today. God, you put us on a journey. Peter was on a journey. He didn't immediately become the shadow healing guy. He just began to follow you, not knowing where, where he was going, what he was doing, what it was going to look like. He just, he just began to follow. He just, began, he just obeyed you. It was hard. It wasn't easy. It felt weird sometimes. But he just began to follow you. And in time, Lord, you did this massive work in us. God, we pray this year that you would awaken us to begin to follow you, to trust you, to believe in you, to have confidence in you. And I just pray grace today upon each person, God, to name these things and begin to step into who they really are. Father, we ask today, awaken us to our potential, our extraordinary real life in Christ. This morning, I want to invite you, for those of you who like to stay, we're going to take a time, have a time of worship. And if you need to go, you're more than welcome to do that. Understand. Like to stay, I just want to invite you just to worship. It's hard to talk about earlier. Just worshiping with all that you have. We have our offering baskets here. If you have an offering to bring in worship this morning, feel free to put it in the basket. We'd appreciate it. Fill out a connect card. If it's a first-time guest, just leave that on your chair, and we'll pick that up later. But we'd invite you. We have ministry teams. They're going to be available to on the sides. They're going to get up right now and begin to make their way down. You can see them. I want you to come. I want you to, to be with them. I want you to come. They would love to pray for you. Whatever it is. Steve, I just I don't know how to I don't know how to trust God. I don't know how to get over these things. I don't know how to deal with these issues. I don't know how not to worry. I don't know how not to fear. I, whatever it may, I'm just struggling. And Jesus says, Let us minister to you. Let us pray for you. Last week we had a big prayer time in the front, and all that was was we just want to love you and pray for you. We want to help you just by prayer. We want to pray for this morning. If you want to worship this morning, allow God to wash over you in a fresh and new the beginning of the year. Let's do that. If you have questions about who Jesus is this morning, if you don't like Jesus, and you, but you want, to talk, you want to tell somebody how much you dislike him, I'll be on the front row. I'd love to hear everything you dislike about Jesus. That'd be awesome. Love to hear everything that you think about him. Let's just have a conversation with you about that. If you want to meet him this morning, say, I just used to dislike him, but now I like him. I want to know him. Let them introduce you to him this morning. This morning, we, will you agree with me to begin walking this journey of potential into your extraordinary real life? You may not do grandiose things like Peter. That's fine. Each of you will have your own unique extraordinary. Let's figure out what that is. Let's figure out what that is. Let's begin the journey. Let's commit today to begin to walk and be awakened to that. All right. You guys respond as the Lord leads. Have a great week. Don't, women, don't forget to sign up for the retreat this weekend. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.
By the grace in his eyes, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. So heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves oh we just think about your love yes he loves us oh how he loves us Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves Oh, He'll give us everything that we need. Oh, cause He's a good Father and He believes in us more than we can ourselves. 